You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So today we're entering the 15th chapter. And the 15th chapter is mainly about tying knots. But somehow it's going to it's going to segue from tying knots in things to tying knots on clothes and then into folding clothes. So we will go from tying into folding. Now, we came across tying in the list of Avmalachot, in the list of archetypal acts in the seventh Mishnah. And when we came across it, we came across it in the context of sewing. So we had a series of actions which began with shearing wool and ended up in sewing a garment, shearing, bleaching, hackling, dyeing, spinning, weaving, and so on and so on, weaving two threads. And then in the middle of this this series, we had tying and untying. Hakosher of Ehamatir. Tying and untying. And they're both, both acts, the act of tying and the act of releasing are seen as archetypal acts of creation. And those are the acts that the Mishnah is going to deal with now in the 15th chapter. And interestingly, we've been dealing with hunting and slaughtering and salting. We're just about to get into saving things from a burning building. That's the next chapter. So it seems as if the order in which the Mishnah is is addressing these different topics chapter by chapter, is quite different from the order in which they're presented in, in the three groups. The uh, the baking group starting with sowing, the sorry, sorry the, with, with sowing seed, the making clothes group starting with shearing and ending with sewing stitches, and then the writing group starting with hunting a deer and ending with writing two letters. So they're the seventh, in, 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 in the seventh chapter, these Archetypal activities are listed very clearly in a certain order, a very logical order. And it's interesting that the Mishnah is going to bring them in an order which is completely different. Anyway, for what that for 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 better or for worse, we don't really understand this order completely, but this chapter, chapter 15, are knots. These are the knots for which a person is liable. Kesher hagamalin vekeshel hasapanim. Knots that belong to camel drivers and knots that belong to sailors. And of course, these are the classic permanent professional knots. And the Mishnah goes on to emphasize, just as we saw back in the original list in the seventh chapter, just as one's liable for tying them, so one is guilty for untying them. And the Rambam on this, this uh, Mishnah brings a comment, incredibly important comment, which I, I mean, he, he, a slightly long comment, but I've essentially translated for you the, the, the essence of it. Ha'ikar shetismochalav, the principle that you should rely on. Who ze is this? Kol keshishahu kaima chayevimalav. The principle is that one is liable for any knot which is permanent. So as the Maimonides understands this Mishnah, we're talking about permanent knots here. And Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir is going to come with a different view. And the Halakha doesn't follow Rabbi Meir, by the way. But Rabbi Meir is going to come. I bring you the Rambam because Rabbi Meir is going to come with a 
completely different view. He has a, um, so to speak, a test, a rule of thumb, if that's not the, the not, not a wrong way of putting it. Rabbi Meir Omer, he says, Kol Rabbi Meir says, any, we don't, we're not liable for a knot which we can untie with one hand. So his definition, if you like, is typological. It's a type of knot. The definition of the Rambam, and that is, seems to be the primary definition of the Mishnah, is about function. If it's permanent, that means something. And of course, that may be connected to intent. And we've talked before about the role of intent in the definition of creative activity on Shabbat. Sometimes the intent with which something is carried out, for example, is this object important enough to store away in a cupboard? It makes a difference to whether it's carryable on Shabbat or not. Sometimes intent is incredibly important in Halachot of Shabbat. Now the Mishnah is going to go on with different kinds of knots. There are some knots for which one is not liable, as for camel drivers' knots and sailors' knots. And the Gemara, by the way, explains these. There's a whole bunch of knots, a whole bunch of knots which are listed in the Gemara. We haven't got time to go into them, for which, which are still forbidden, but which don't count as heavy-duty permanent knots, and so we're not liable for a sin offering. So there are some, some knots for which we're not liable. But there are other knots which are permitted, um, which are permitted ab initio, which are, which are, which are permitted in, from, from the beginning, so to speak. And it's very interesting. These actually start with feminine knots. Kosheret isha. Miftach chalukah. So a woman can tie up the opening of her, her, um, her shirt. I've, I'm using the Sephardic translation, I'm afraid. It says chemise. Vehute savka, the strings of a hairnet. Veshel psikya and her belt. And the laces, minal rutsuot minal vesandal, the laces of her shoes or sandals. And we might have um, a nod is a, is a leather bottle, leather water bottle. Venodot yain vashemen, leather bottles of wine or oil. Maybe you have a metal, a meat dish. And it seems as though people would cover the meat dish in some kind of um, cloth or leather, leather covering in those days and then tied up, maybe to keep it warm. These are the kind of knots which are permitted ab initio. And Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, gives other examples where we're, we need to do a, we need to make a knot for other purposes. So we can tie a knot in front of an animal to stop it going out. We can tie a bucket over a well. We might need the water from the well on Shabbat, right? We're going to do that with a belt, but not with a rope. And Rabbi Yudah then states the general principle. And this is the principle clearly that the Rambam is quoting in his commentary on the first Mishnah. So, Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yudah stated the general rule. Kol any knot that's not permanent, ein we, We're not, we're not liable for it. So that's the general principle that the Rambam has extracted, and he's put for us in his commentary on the Mishnah before, so that we understand as we're going into these Mishnayot what the general principle is.
Now, if we can talk about tying up clothes, can we talk about folding clothes? And the 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 chapter that this this chapter chapter fifteen is a very short chapter <coughs> closes on folding. We can fold clothing. So you can see we're segueing away from tying up clothing. We're going to fold clothing even four or five times. And we're going to spread the sheets on the beds on Shabbat for Shabbat. We're going to do it on Shabbat for Shabbat, but not on Shabbat for the day after Shabbat. We're doing this work. We're doing this work for use on Shabbat. And Rabbi Ishmael goes on to say, Rabbi Ishmael has a view that you can fold clothing and spread sheets on beds on Yom Kippur for Shabbat. What's he talking about? Yom Kippur for Shabbat? Today, Yom Kippur never falls the day before Shabbat. But Rabbi Ishmael is an old timer. He was killed in the Hadrianic persecution. So he's talking about really uh, when, when the temple was still standing, really. In the time of Rabbi Ishmael, the calendar was a little bit more flexible than it is today. And Yom Kippur sometimes fell on a Friday. So he's saying if Yom Kippur falls on a Friday... If the Kedusha of Yom Kippur is less than that of Shabbat, maybe we can spread the sheets or fold the clothes on Yom Kippur for use on Shabbat the following day. And then the same applies to offerings. The um, oh, well, well, no, so, he will, so he will go the other way around too. What if Yom Kippur falls on a Sunday? He would say the fat pieces of the Shabbat offering, if they're not burnt, could be offered on Yom Kippur. So this is Yom Kippur falling on Sunday. Again, today Yom Kippur can't fall on Sunday, but it clearly could in the time of Rabbi Ishmael. The halacha actually goes to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, Lo shel Shabbat krevim b'yom HaKippurim Rabbi Akiva seems to have the view that the Kedusha, the holiness of Yom HaKippurin is equivalent to the holiness of Shabbat and one doesn't override the other. Those of Shabbat can't be offered on Yom Kippur. Those on Yom Kippur can't be offered on Shabbat. We don't, we don't if you like, carry over from one to the other. The holiness of the two days is equivalent. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.